It is the 200 level. Mike Carpenter in the basement on a rainy Sunday as we get ready for Bears football. I just went for a very rainy run, and things are just so much better after an Illini win. If you recall how we felt, what would have been eight days ago after that loss in Indiana. And while we have a lot to talk about this Virginia game, and not all of it is good, for the most part, the big takeaway I have is, yes, this team could actually end up being okay. I don't know what the final record will be. I think that Indiana loss could still loom large. And I don't want to jump the gun on this idea that we might compete for the Big Ten West. As bad as the Big Ten West looks, don't forget this team is in many ways still pretty messy. But there are some constants. One of them is the defense. We figured coming into this season that the Illini defense would be good, and it has been good. In fact, you could say it's been very good. Even the Indiana game, giving up that late touchdown, what more could they have done? I mean, I honestly think the defense played about as good as you could expect for the first road game of the season. They did not lose you that game, despite that being a a game-winning score for Indiana. This has been something you can trace back to game four or five last year, or whatever came after the Wisconsin game. That was ultimately the turning point where this defense turned from not so good into pretty darn good. So you have that. You can keep that in your back pocket. The run game is good as well. So you can keep that in your back pocket as well. Chase Brown is a star, and it was good to see Reggie Love get some good carries yesterday. Chase Hayden got in there as well. You're seeing an offense that I think can ultimately be pretty good if they get out of their own way. I know Jeremy wrote an article about that and uh, did not get a chance to read it other than the headline. But I think the headline says a lot of what you need to know. This is an offense that is showing signs, but for whatever reason continues to kind of step on itself. If that's a term you could use, I don't know. It's a Sunday morning. I'm still kind of coming to. All that, coupled with another beautiful day at the stadium, or the tailgate lots at least for me, I did not go in. And you're 2-1, and one, and you are on the verge of being 3-1, and one, which is what I expected, or, and, and at least what I hoped they would be if they were going to have a decent season. So that is all right there for you, despite the Indiana loss. What sucks is that you should be 3-0. and oh. Indiana did win yesterday against Idaho at home. They scored 23 points in the third quarter. They were trailing at halftime, and I thought, oh, God, Indiana still stinks. And they still might very well stink. But this Illinois team, I don't think, stinks. And that's what made the Indiana game frustrating, and that's what made the four turnovers yesterday. At the time, you wanted to pull your hair out. That's what makes the missed field goals all the more alarming because you feel like it could lose you a consequential game. But despite the mess, there are more positives to take away the negatives. And I think this team and the schedule they have in front of them is a lot more doable than even I might have thought. Unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to make any changes or upgrade from the 7-5 and five prognostication. I'm not going to go above that because, well, you already lost a game you shouldn't have. And you have shown an ability to not step on the other team's throat. Could have done it last week. Could have done it more so yesterday, but the defense was so good it didn't even matter. I don't know how good Virginia is. Virginia might stink. <laughs> I mean... They get rid of, well, I don't know if they got rid of, but Bronco Mendenhall, apparently, I thought he got fired. He left on his own accord. At least that's what they said in the broadcast yesterday. And we saw last year, Bronco Mendenhall was a solid football coach, probably a good football coach, not great. And he ran a program that made bowl games more often than not. Whoever this Elliott guy is, not to judge a book by its cover, but he just looks like a dude. 
there was nothing about him that was particularly authoritative. And as the game went on, you see him on the sidelines, it just looked pretty haphazard. So if I'm a uh, Virginia fan, I'm kind of freaking out about the prospects of what life will be like under this new coach. And this is just another example of how you you can't just go and hire a coordinator from a successful coach and figure that it's going to work. How often does it? This guy, I guess, was under Dabo, or is it Dabo? Why do I always screw that up? Dabo? Who cares? At Clemson. And th- that was the thought process. Let's just hire him, and we're going to be Clemson in a few years. I, I, it never works, or at least it doesn't ever seem to work. So for G- Virginia might just be straight up bad, but you made them look bad. And that's what I think is the most impressive. I'm going to get to the stats here in a bit, but there are some that are just purely dominant in a way that you would dominate a Wyoming. And you did against Wyoming. I thought that this game you would need to hold them to 24 points to win. Well, not even close. Three. Did not even sniff the end zone. They got maybe in the red zone once, twice. You held them that field goal that one time. Just just remarkable stuff from the defense. And it's gotten to the point where I'm actually just excited for, even if we go three and out on offense, I'm seeing a defense that just flies around out there. And that is fun. I forgot what it's like to have a defense that you really genuinely look forward to watching. Last year's defense showed signs of that. This year's defense looks to be an improvement. And I think we all hope that they would continue what they were doing last year. But you also recognize the Kirby Joseph, Owen Carney, Isaiah Gay. I, I'm missing another name. Tolson, linebacker. You knew that you were losing veteran pieces, some really good pieces, and you just hope that you were as good. Well, I think you're going to be better. If the early returns or anything, you're going to be better because the secondary is out of this world good. My God, they're flying around. They're in every passing lane. And the pick sixes and all that, they will come. They will come. There were a few interceptions they could add yesterday. And the defensive line. The defensive line is really starting to come around. I recognize that Virginia had five freshman offensive linemen, or I should say five brand new offensive linemen. And that makes a huge difference. But the defensive line was all over the place yesterday. Very impressive. And especially the rushing defense. Virginia went nowhere with that. I don't know. I'm I'm feeling pretty good about this team, but still recognizing that there will be another blip, maybe two along the way. So what does that mean for a final record? I don't know. But this team needs to go to a bowl game. They are too good to not go to a bowl game. And anything less than a bowl game, I think we can say after the first three games, anything less than a bowl game means that you shot yourself in the foot. Maybe bad coaching, though I haven't seen a ton of that thus far. It would be a disappointment, however that would shake out. I think you're making a bowl game, though. And uh, one of our sponsors does as well, which reminds me, we need to get to our sponsors before we get into the Twitch thread. Good morning for all of my brunch club members here on the 200-level Twitch club, Twitch thread, Twitch feed, whichever. The 200 level is brought to you by DPDO online at dpdo.com for all the best deals and prices. dpdo.com. They deliver anywhere in Champaign Urbana on this Sunday where you're watching NFL football and looking to stay dry. Why not order DPDO and they can bring a piping hot calzone to your doorstep? That is dpdo.com. Also, Rector Construction online at R-E-C-T-O-R construction.com for all your home exterior projects. These guys are the goods. Great customer service expert craftsmanship, and also really good citizens 
Does that matter? Sure it does. I'm a townie in Champaign-Urbana. These guys have been giving back to the community since they got started. The good guys at Rector Construction, that's R-E-C-T-O-R Construction.com. Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, they are the sponsor that also believes, maybe the others do as well, that Illinois will make a bowl game this year. I agree. If you give them a call today, they'll give you 6% off your furnace check, and it is time to do that. If you noticed, the forecast for tomorrow, 61 degrees. It's going to be a cool morning. Those cool mornings are going to get even cooler. And you want to make sure the furnace is working before we get into November and December. So uh, Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, based out of Paxton, serves all of East Central Illinois. Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing. And finally, excuse me, State Farm Agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. Great State Farm prices, as you would expect. But Brian and his staff, just the communication is off the charts. Got a new car a week and a half ago. I got a temporary insurance card three minutes after I emailed him. That is just one anecdotal way to show you that Brian is on top of his stuff. So when I say Brian is my guy, I can actually vouch for it. It's been a couple years, two years plus we've been working with him. And we've uh, been lucky to have him representing us for homeowners and auto insurance. They do it all at State Farm, including Brian and his great staff at brianismyguy.com. Alani Inquirer and the Champagne Showers Podcast Network partners with the 200 level. All right, so here, here's the scene. I'm coming to you after a rainy run, so I'm sorry, I'm, I'm kind of gathering my bearings. I hope that I'm not stumbling over my words too much. I got the big screen TV that I took into the lots yesterday. I had turned the brightness way up. So I'm getting it back down to a reasonable level. I have Twitch currently on my big screen, and I have a bunch of things to get through on my computer about yesterday's game. Wanted to hit up the Twitch thread real quick, though, from Illini Lion. The Indiana loss is tough for winning the division, but the division looks so bad that 6-3, and three, possibly even 5-4 and four in conference could get you to Indy. This is something to think about. Let's do the dare to dream thing. We can get that out of the way. Realistically speaking, Illinois is not going to win the Big Ten West. Realistically speaking. But it's not the craziest thing to mention when you look at what happened yesterday. Now, we could take yesterday and just say, well, Wisconsin lost kind of a weird game at home against Washington State. And I'm still putting money on them to win the division. That's just what they do. Annoying as it is, I could see Wisconsin going, like you said, line I line, six and three. Because they haven't lost a Big Ten game yet. And they will figure things out in their usual boring Wisconsin way. I hope one day to be as boringly efficient as Wisconsin. Potentially even 5-4, and four, that might be a stretch. But it's not, it's not impossible. If you look at the Big Ten West, going down the list real quick. Northwestern stinks. And using the transitive property, and you don't even need to use that. Nebraska straight up stinks. By the time Illinois plays Nebraska, they're going to be so checked out of their season what I thought was going to be a loss, just a weird loss. No, you're going to beat Nebraska. They're terrible. They will find a way to lose that game. I've, I've no doubt about it. So, okay, Northwestern Nebraska, those should be two wins right there. Iowa cannot score. Our recent history would suggest that we're going to lose to Iowa no matter what. That's just what we do. It's been 2008 since we last beat them. But I actually think the last two road games at Iowa have shown that the talent discrepancy is not that crazy. 
and that you're due, as Harry Black would often say. You are due to get a win. I think the matchup is favorable for Illinois. Not just because the run game, which Iowa stifled last year. The run game is still there for Illinois, and I think they'll do better than the 50, 40 yards they got rushing last year in Iowa City. But you actually have a quarterback now. I do think that Tommy DeVito is a playmaker. I know he had an interception and a fumble yesterday. I like what I see from him overall. I think that's just enough of a difference compared to Brandon Peters last year. Plus, you're at home. Plus, it's earlier in the season before Iowa might figure anything out. That's a win. So I I just mentioned right now three wins. I'm not sure about Purdue. I'm not sure about Minnesota. Purdue's offense looks to be great. At least they're passing offense, but I don't trust the running game and I don't trust their defense. Even though... um, Last year was a really close game, and you should have won that. I could also see that being just a weird game at home against a Purdue offense that always seems to give us fits here. Not over in West Lafayette, but when Purdue comes here, their offense always seems to give us fits, and I don't know why. I'm still going to call that a toss-up. I'm still going to call Minnesota a toss-up because we just don't know about Minnesota. P.J. Fleck, to me, very hot and cold. We saw last year that was a ranked Minnesota team, And they probably had no business being ranked, but they aren't bad either. So that's a game that could go either way at home. It's, was that an early October or is that the November game? And Twitch thread, if you can help me out, I know after Iowa, you play either Minnesota or Purdue. I think it's Minnesota on October 12th. I call that a toss up along with Purdue. Those I was saying to friends of the tailgate yesterday, what if it just turns out that this Illinois team is actually really good at home? Well, what if that's the case? You got seven home games. Now, are you going to win out? I don't know about that. You have Michigan State. They still look pretty good. And you're probably going to lose one other there, but I don't know. I could see this team going five and two at home. I really could. Six and one maybe isn't crazy. So there we go, Chief Oski. October 15th, after the Iowa game, Iowa, Minnesota at home. You could win both. One and one would probably still be okay, though. Who else am I missing in the Big Ten West? Iowa can't score, Minnesota maybe, Purdue maybe, Wisconsin maybe. I don't know. It's a whole lot of nothing, guys. I I don't know if there's a legitimate top 25 team in the Big Ten West. So that is a window of opportunity for Illinois. And at 6-3, and like you said, Illini Lion, sure. I, I, I could see that happening. The thing that sucks is you already got 0-1. And... I really don't want that Indiana game. It would be bad enough if the Indiana game was enough to keep you out of a bowl. Let's say this team has a really good year and the Indiana game is the one reason you don't make it to Indy. That would suck. That would be absolutely terrible. But we'll cross that bridge when we get there. I do understand dreaming a little bit big, though, after yesterday's game because the defense was so dominant that the third and fourth turnovers for Illinois and then the missed field goals, I found humor in it instead of being actually angry. There are problems to be addressed, sure. But when you have a defense like that, you can overcome a lot. And especially these home games, I'm, I'm pretty confident going into any of them. want to hit up some of the box score stats here from yesterday's game. So Illinois, 24-3 was the final. Virginia only scored in the first quarter. And then you basically, you pitch a shutout the rest of the way. Third down efficiency is where this game, I think, everything you need to know was right here. And as the game was unfolding, it felt like this. And then you see the stat, it's mind-blowing. Third down efficiency, Virginia 0 for 16. 0 for 16 on third down, that's 
insane. That's what you do against a Southern Illinois. No offense to Lukey fans if there's any listening. That's what a Power 5 team does to an FCS team. This would have been something I would have been happy to see against no matter how lowly the opponent. If you do that against Chattanooga, I'd still be impressed. It was Virginia, a team that put up 500 yards and 42 points on you last year, and you did that? Yeah, they were one for four, fourth down efficiency. They were desperate. They had to go for it on fourth downs. They got one of them. Big deal. Illinois, third down efficiency, five for 14. That needs to be around 50%. That's not good enough. But we saw in the first two games, they were around 50% with third down. And if they can hover around there offensively and make it difficult for the opposing offense to get their own first down conversions, I feel pretty good going seven and five. Total yardage. Basically, you outgained them two to one, 394 to 222. Out of Virginia's 222 yards, 180 passing, but it took them 35 pass attempts. And Brennan Armstrong, who absolutely torched you last year, was only 13 for 35. 5.1 yards per pass and two picks thrown could have been four. There were a couple that were right in our bread basket. One of them to uh, number eight, who escapes me at the moment, the name. But it was right in his bread basket. But it was such a dart that I think he was surprised how quickly he got to him. Could have been four picks. Rushing yards, only 42 for Virginia on 29 attempts. 1.4 yards per rush. That's insanely good. That is insanely good. That that really gets me excited because when you start forcing the other team into third and longs and they have to throw it against this secondary, you are setting yourself up not just to win games, but you're, you're setting yourself up for explosive plays that can make the difference in these Big Ten games coming up. So that really excites me. Penalties, I'll get to the negatives in a bit. I'll continue with the positives. Time of possession, 33-51 for Illinois, 26-09 for Virginia. While the second half offensive performance for Illinois was not great by any stretch, there were still extended drives. It wasn't about running clock in the third quarter, necessarily. That's not the strategy any of us would have had that early, but they did nonetheless because they were able to run the ball effectively, get some first downs. So, yeah, I think that uh, while you only scored three points in the second half, you sort of had an extended trial run for the inevitable Big Ten game where you're going to have to run the clock out with eight or nine minutes left in the fourth quarter. I thought it was a good trial run for that. With Chase Brown and this offensive line, the way that they're run blocking, I feel pretty good about that. Tommy DeVito showed a few examples of him being able to run for first downs or maybe one and and there were a couple others where he got five six yard chunks I think that'll become more of a part of it as well so those are all the good right now we can start with the bad or continue with the bad unfortunately where penalties and turnovers yet again that's a problem 10 penalties for 71 yards Mm, not good turnovers for three lost fumbles and not from scrubs Pat Bryant looks really good can't have that fumble at the end zone. That would have been putting your foot on their throat in the second quarter. Game over, 28-3. to And instead, you had to kind of ride out that uncertainty a little bit more. Tommy DeVito, just got to protect it. Got to have that awareness. I think overall, his awareness has been pretty solid. For that play, the guy just came from around him, and he just didn't sense it, I guess. The ball was way too loose. Easy fumble. Chase Brown. So these are three impact guys. It's not any scrubs. It wasn't Luke Ford, who I know has had his issues. No, this was 
three of your best players making mistakes at very inopportune times, and then one pick from DeVito as well. Now, while DeVito had two turnovers on the game, and Twitch thread, I'm actually curious what you guys think. What do you think about Tommy DeVito? It seems for a quarterback that has started 2-1 and one and is putting up the stats, at least better stats than Peter's, we aren't talking too much about him, but I got to say, I, I'm seeing things from him that I'm genuinely excited about. The throw to Bryant along the sideline yesterday, oh my God, was one of the best throws I've seen in a long time. Uh, was that quite a touchdown? I think you got down to the one, it was the end of the first quarter, and then you punched it in with a really nice play action, tight end, touchdown in the back of the end zone. But God dang, that 39-40 yarder, I think, on the sidelines was beautiful. Now, I was mentioning turnovers, Mojo, Jojo, I like the name, says turnovers can be cleaned up, right? You'd hate to think that you have a top-level defense and the best running back in the Big Ten, but all of a sudden you have this turnover-prone team that has terrible special teams. That Mojo, Jojo, leads me to my final concern. Hugh Robertson was fine yesterday, I thought. There were a couple rugby punts that looked all right. He's okay. I'm not, I'm not too worried about the punting game, though you hope that he doesn't have a muff punt at the worst time. Or not a muff punt, whatever you'd call that. Uh, not squib. The name escapes me. Muff is for the returner. The kick that goes off the side of the foot for 10 yards. We can't have that in a crucial moment. But you got a kicking problem. You have a major kicking problem. And I don't know what you do about that. I don't know if there is anything you can do about that. I think what it does is it changes the calculation going forward. If you find yourself in a fourth and short and you're around midfield even, or sorry, not midfield, around the 35, 30-yard line, well, all of a sudden you're going to say, we'll keep Caleb for 40 and in. But if it really comes down to it, we're going to go for it if it's any borderline kind of thing. I think even fourth and ones as you get in the red zone, which I think the numbers would tell you go for it anyways. But now you start doing that instead of the sure three points, because unfortunately, I don't think there's such thing as a sure three points with this kicking game. And that's a shame because, you know, Caleb Griffin, decent kicker out of high school, I'm pretty sure, maybe a three-star kid. I'm not sure how you rate kickers or not, but he's been in the program for a while. I thought actually that he was going to be fine. Not great, not in the tradition of the Jason Ritas and the... Pete Christophilakis, well, there's a name for you, John Gockmans, Neil Rackers, and then most recently McCourt. I didn't expect that, but I didn't expect it to be a concern that, oh God, in a close game, if you're down by one or two points and you need a game-winning field goal, doesn't matter if it's 35 yards or not, do you trust him to make it? And unfortunately, I don't, and I don't think the coaching staff probably does either. So that will change the equation going forward, and I'm okay with that. Not trying, I'm concerned about it, but on the other hand, I think you make the adjustment now. And if that means that because you couldn't trust him and you get stuffed on a fourth and one and you end up losing a game, not that that's going to make it any easier, but I would prefer this coaching staff to start making those equations or start calculating right now what they're going to do, because that is going to come up. It's going to come up in maybe even the Iowa game. Let's say it's an ugly 14 to 13 affair and you just need that one field goal goal to win it, and you're facing a fourth and one on the Iowa 25. 42-yard field goal? Or do you try to get the first down and say, screw the three, we're going for six? Those are the kinds of things that Bielma's getting paid handsomely for. I don't envy the situation because I don't know what I would do, but I'm, I'm leaning towards just go for it on fourth down. If it's fourth and short, just go. Because... Unless it's a gimme extra point kind of thing, I I just don't trust it.
Now, all that to say, somehow, after four turnovers, two missed field goals, and 10 penalties of 71 yards, you won 24-3, to and it was never in doubt. Brett Bielma had a quote yesterday, and I want to make sure I get this right. This is from Isaac Trotter on the 24-7 National site, and he talked about responding to, okay, here we go. Here's the quote. He told this to the team after the Indiana game. He said, listen, for us to win football games, we can't lose them, but we have to play with an edge. We have to overcome things. So think about how this game starts. Was it the first play from scrimmage that DeVito threw a pick? Second play? It was early. Immediately, they overcome that. They hold Virginia to three. Okay, fine. And then you come back out, and I think he gets six on the next drive. That is overcoming a big mistake that for us in the lots watching it, I thought for the first quarter, for a good chunk of the first quarter, I thought, oh my God, we're going to start one and two. This is my worst nightmare. I'm already going to be mentally checked out of this thing on September 10th. No, they overcame it almost immediately. And not only did they kind of overcome it and just do enough to get the win, they from that point forward, play the most focused defensive football that you've seen from this team in in a long, long time, dating back to the Lovey era, dating back to the Beckman era. The last decade, if you look at best defensive performances in a game, you're going to be hard-pressed to find one better than yesterday. That was phenomenal. So to overcome that, it tells me that on the sidelines and in that locker room, the sense of dread that maybe we feel as fans, they don't feel that. That is encouraging. And the beauty, I think, of college football programs, you could have a fan base that has decades of futility and disappointment, but these are 18 to 22-year-olds that weren't born, some of them, when Anthony Thomas fumbled, but they didn't call it, and then when Rocky Harvey didn't fumble, but they called it a fumble. They don't, they don't know the Illinois-Michigan game in 2000. I do. And it might have messed with me the next time that we got a close game against Michigan at home or any time that we have a close game thinking, oh, here we go again. It sure did against Indiana, but for these 18 to 22-year-olds, they don't care. And the most encouraging thing, if we take it even more macro than just coming back from a, you know, a interception thrown in the second play for your offense, is that after that Indiana game, when I think there was still a little bit of that sideline feeling, oh God, we just got to hold on for dear life, the way they respond against Virginia is to come out guns blazing and just absolutely shut them down and leave no doubt. So while they didn't step on their throats with their offense, we should have gotten 28, 35, we could have gotten 38 points yesterday and we didn't. So that's a shame, I guess. But defensively, there, there was plenty of stepping on their throats time and time again. Every third down, the defense stepped on their throat. We can lean on that, especially if the offense can have the ball for 33, 34 minutes a game, and you're only asking the defense to be out there 25 or 26. That is a recipe right there, along with a stud running back and a serviceable and I think sometimes good quarterback. That's a 7-5 and kind of team, even with the Indiana loss factored in. So it is amazing the difference from not just how I felt eight days ago, after the Indiana game, but how I felt at about 3.15 yesterday and then how I felt at 6.15. Over the course of three hours, while it was messy, there was enough that we were shown that would tell us, okay, they might have something here. They might have something. Bielema continues to heap praise on his coordinators, on this group of players. You start to see these other things too, like young guys like Matthew Bailey make a huge impact yesterday, a freshman Gabe Yakis, Akis, Gabe Akis, it's a silent J, (laughs) 
really making an impact out there. And you start to think, okay, well, maybe we aren't going to win a bunch of recruiting battles and we aren't going to have a top half of the Big Ten recruiting class. I don't think Bielema did that at Wisconsin either. Maybe this model that worked there a decade ago can work here and it's already starting to. That would be the encouraging thing is that whether it be on the field or whether it be the fact that, I don't know, just the general sense of stability that seems to be enveloping this program right now, you hope that games like Indiana become the aberration. And if we can reach the end of this year and look back at the Indiana game as a distant memory and think, man, we were all a little bit worried after that, but it seems like they really stabilized, then that probably means we ended up with seven wins. Maybe eight. I'm not going to get crazy, but this is a really weak schedule, a really weak schedule. Now, this is a pretty opportune time for bye week. I think all the mistakes and the messiness that you see on offense, you have now 12 days to figure that out before Chattanooga, which is I'm kind of viewing as a scrimmage. I don't want to speak ill of Chattanooga, which I believe is a top 10 FCS team, so they aren't bad for what they are. But I do think it is perfect timing as you get ready to enter back into Big Ten play before the Wisconsin game on, I think, September 30th up in uh, Camp Randall. This gives you the opportunity to clean things up. And if you play a clean game at Wisconsin, a game that I thought there's no way, right? Well, no, there's a way. There is a way to beat Wisconsin. There's a way to beat any team on the schedule not named Michigan. And I know Michigan hasn't played anybody, but I still won't expect much going into that game. And Michigan State, of course, uh, is the other team, but I'm sorry. I, I look at this and I think Wisconsin scores 14 points at home against Washington State. Now, I don't know anything about Washington State since Mike Leach left, but I'm thinking that they're just okay. And the fact is, Illinois might not be any more than just okay. In the grand scheme of things, Illinois might just be above average. But you know what? In this Big Ten West, above average might be good enough to sneak out a win at Camp Randall or to go 7-5. and five. I think those things are on the table in a way that I didn't even think so when I was making my predictions for how this season would shake out. This is from Mojo Jojo. I'm definitely, in, in Mojo Jojo, you got to come back because I just like saying your name. I'm definitely encouraged by the number of players that seem to be dynamic on both sides of the ball. Good word, good word, dynamic. I would agree with that. It feels like we're on the precipice of something special with the head coach. I know that part of having a good team is losing your coordinators, so I guess I'm hoping that Bielema can continue to recruit well, but also select our next defensive coordinator well before he is on his way to a head coaching job. And to that point, Mojo Jojo. Yeah, Ryan Walters is not long for here. You can pay him all you want, and I think he might be that kind of talent that could wait for a really good gig. I don't know if he's going to do the Paul Petrino thing of going to, was it Idaho, or the Mike Loxley thing of going to New Mexico State. I think he could wait for a little bit better gig than that. So in the meantime, pay him whatever you need to, and trust, and I think I do, trust that Bielema can identify the successor. Now, it's not to say Bielema is perfect with coordinators because his first offensive coordinator here was a failure, but I do think Barry Lunny overall, the returns have been pretty solid. I, I'm encouraged at least because when the offense is on the field, I feel like they're going to move the ball. If they clean it up, then they're going to score even more, and I feel like that could be even a middle-of-the-pack Big Ten offense. I, I, I know we enter this season with the unknowns of the quarterback position thinking just be like 10th in Big Ten offense. No, I think they can be better than that. I think that when you look at just how bad the other offenses in the Big Ten West are, on average, there's no reason this can't be like the seventh best offense in the Big Ten, and there's no reason that this shouldn't be a top half of the Big Ten defense, especially considering this defense is going to be playing a bunch of bad offenses. 
So are you looking at a situation, even as you sit here two and one with the loss to Indiana, and this is where, uh-oh, God, Carp is going down that rabbit hole. Careful now. That even as you sit two and one with a disappointing loss against Indiana, that you actually have a higher ceiling than any of us would have thought, even with the Indiana game, right? It, it, it's honestly made worse by the fact that you looked pretty damn good yesterday. And in the Indiana game, the thing that we couldn't quite put our finger on is, why does it look like we should be dominating this game, but we aren't? And of course, the answer is simple. Turnovers, penalties. So you figure that out, then I I, I don't know what the ceiling is if you figure that out. No, they aren't going to make any college football playoff. But the idea of an eight-win season, if they clean things up on offense, while I would only maybe put like, you know, I'd put less than 10% odds on that, at the beginning of the season, I would have put even less than that. Which is to say, you kind of adjust expectations the more you see something, the more you understand something. And it seems like there is more talent-wise on this team than we even thought. This might have something to do with the fact that in August, when they're running camp, the media is not really allowed in. And anything that we learn is basically nuggets and quotes from the coaching staff. And they play things pretty close to the best. But now that you're starting to see things in action and even seeing true freshmen like Bailey and Akis make an impact, okay, um, not only might the veterans be better than we thought, but maybe these recruits they're bringing in, they're identifying guys that can keep this thing rolling. I have this notion that after this year, you're going to lose so much that the third Bielema year might be bad, but you might be able to stem that tide with uh, Juco and, and transfer portal stuff and the occasional true freshman that knows how to play. So I don't want to jump the gun to year three because I actually think year two can still be fun and entertaining. And two of the three games have been just that. The competition will get better. I just don't think it will get exponentially better like I might have thought beforehand. Chief Oski says, I could see Kane stepping up to D coordinator after Walters departs. Yeah, I could see that too. I would imagine that if he could keep it in-house, he would. Let's talk about the other Big Ten teams because, man, uh, yesterday was great as an Illinois fan because they won, but it was also great because a lot of teams that you don't like lost. And there was some humor to be found in just how weak some of these teams look. I want to start with Northwestern. Now, Duke is 2-0, but Northwestern went down by as many as 21 to nothing at home. They had a bye week after the Nebraska game, so we can't really talk jet lag or anything like that. And they kind of make a comeback effort, but they lose 31-23. to This is Northwestern, a, a program that prides itself on defense and running the ball. And this tells me that there is a bit of a personality crisis up there. Helensky, their quarterback, who's not bad, he threw 60 passes yesterday. This is Northwestern. 36 for 60, 435 yards, two touchdowns, and they still lose. This is a team that can't run the ball like they would like to yet, not to say they can't figure some things out, and they certainly can't defend like they would like to. Them beating Nebraska at first, I thought, great, Northwestern's going to have one of those 7-8-1 seasons. No, they aren't. Because we found out last night just how bad Nebraska is, and I'll get to that in a second. But Northwestern yesterday, disappointing loss at home in front of in front of presumably 5,000 fans. Who knows? Now, I can't say much about that because the attendance was paltry. And uh, if you guys can remind me, I'll, I'll try to end the 
in this pod talking about the game day experience and all that, which on the whole was pretty positive for those that went in the stadium. I was not one of those, but boy, do those overhead shots look pretty paltry at Memorial Stadium. Elsewhere in the Big Ten West, Iowa loses at home to Iowa State. Now, the box score is remarkable because you look at these, and, and we knew last week the fact that Iowa won 7-3 to without scoring a touchdown tells you just how bad the offense is. Brian Ferentz, a little bit of nepotism perhaps, 11 first downs in the game for Iowa, 11, 150 total yards, total 92 passing, but most discouraging if you're an Iowa fan. 58 rushing yards, 2.3 yards per attempt. That's bad. Uh, Time of possession, they had the ball for 21 minutes. Uh, You got to beat Iowa. I mean, as we get closer to this, it's not like Iowa's just going to flip a switch and all of a sudden start winning. There's a lot of anger up there in Iowa City right now. They have a home game next week against Nevada, which who knows about that. I don't know if Nevada is good or bad, but they might not even need to be good to beat Iowa. And frankly, you get them at home and you get them early. You got to win that game. If Iowa gets 150 yards against Iowa State, make your goal 130 because there's no reason that Iowa should do any better against your defense than they did Iowa State's. That should be a win and it would feel good. Even if Iowa sucks this year, it would feel good to finally slay that dragon. Spencer Petrus, is that the guy's name? He's just absolutely garbage up there now. And they don't have a running back that's really worth anything. I mean, take a look at this, for example. Purdue has this transfer-wide receiver. And uh, the name I'm going to try to dig up here. This transfer-wide receiver that was at Iowa last year, and already through two games, he has surpassed the yardage and touchdown total that he had at Iowa. That probably tells you what you need to know for this offense under Brian Ferentz. Nepotism, baby. It's... Not a good thing, and we experienced that under Miles Smith. And uh, was it Ryan Cubitt? Oh, my God. What a clown show that was. Okay, elsewhere, we have... <laughs> this is so good. Uh, I'll start with Wisconsin. Sorry. Wisconsin 17... Uh, Wisconsin loses 17-14 to 14 to Washington State. Graham Mertz, eh, okay. 18 for 31, 227 yards, uh, one interception, two touchdowns. 98 yards for Allen, the running back. Three turnovers for Wisconsin, uncharacteristic for them. They still outgained Washington State 401 to 253. I would still put odds on that Wisconsin's going to beat you, and that's going to be an ugly game. Um, but if this revenge tour that Bielema was speaking about yesterday, if that's really kind of resonating with the team, no reason they shouldn't be pumped up going to Camp Randall. And what the heck? I mean, I will turn that game on thinking. Let's see what happens, as opposed to, oh boy, it's Wisconsin, we're surely going to lose. I think we probably still will. Uh, They might have gotten their bad loss out of their system early, but who's to say? Because that was very kind of, I mean, they're known for boring performances, but that was just lackluster from Wisconsin yesterday in a way that I'm not even accustomed to. Uh, Elsewhere in the Big Ten, this was the best one of all. Nebraska, 42. I'm going to start with that score first. And Georgia Southern, 45 flipped it on you usually hate when people do that but it, it adds adds some emphasis to the fact that they gave up 45 points to georgia southern and 620 some yards i want to make sure i get this right because the number is absolutely mind-blowing 
and Scott Frost will be fired. And I hope that he continues to coach this season, that they don't go with an interim coach that gives this team an extra buzz. I hope they're so checked out when we play them on October 29th. The student section, Nebraska, known for being just some of the nicest people. That's what we're always told. They're chanting fire Frost. And it probably wasn't just the student section. I'm sure it was many more. They host Oklahoma next week. Oklahoma has been a little bit underwhelming by their standards, but they'll still probably beat Nebraska no problem. How do you give up 45 points and 600 yards to Georgia Southern? Uh, I don't know. But this is to be expected. I mean, when that game was going on and you see Nebraska, they take a... Well, 7-7, seven to seven, they tied it up after an early Georgia Southern score. They take a 21-14 to 14 lead midway through the second quarter. And at that point, you're thinking, okay, maybe they kind of run away with this after an early scare. They get the, they shake out the willies and they find a way. Well, no. When you go into halftime tied up 28-all, that's when you start thinking, okay, the, this might actually happen. And sure enough, the touchdown for Georgia Southern late with 36 seconds to go, I mean, can you imagine the hush in that stadium? I need to go find a replay just so I can see or hear what it was like when Georgia Southern got that go-ahead. Maybe it was really loud and tons of boos. Uh, but to be honest, I was asleep at that point because yesterday, my game day experience started at 3.30 in the morning. Woke up, terrible allergies. And then it's one of those things where your mind just says, okay, well, you could get up and, and kind of get the day started. So that's what I did at about four. And I was zonked yesterday. But overall, a really awesome day in the lots. A lot of fun watching that game. And while it was not by any stretch perfect and it was super messy, uh, I left that lot feeling fulfilled in a way that I hadn't in a long time with a home Illinois football win. You would need to go back to the Arizona State game, I'm pretty sure, 10 years ago, 11 years ago. I think the same weekend because it was September 10th of 2011, where you beat a Power 5 team in the non-conference. I think that's correct, at least. And to do it in the fashion that you did it yesterday. And again, Virginia may just suck this year, and I think they probably will, maybe 3-9. and nine. But you do what good teams do to bad teams. And if you recall last year, Wisconsin came in here, and I think it was 28-3 to three or 31-3. to three. Maybe it was just 28 to nothing. It's not as if they outscored us by six or seven touchdowns, but it felt hopeless on our end. So imagine being a Virginia fan yesterday watching that game. You would have felt hopeless against that Illinois defense. I don't know the last time Illinois had a unit that was able to do that to somebody. Maybe Vic Coning had that for a little bit uh, in the tail end of the 2010 and the early part of the 2011 season. That defense is pretty good. The offense, unfortunately, couldn't follow suit. I have more faith in this offense and their ability to distribute the ball to a bunch of receivers and that they have the bell cow running back and Chase Brown. I have more faith that they will figure some things out and that if they just don't make mistakes, they could have scored 38 points yesterday. They should have won the Indiana game. Get this out of your system early is my hope. Please just get the messiness out of your system and then play complimentary ball with your defense, which is you don't need this offense to score. 30 points a game. If this offense scores 27, 24, 27 points in a game, I think you're going to win more often than not. And is that doable? Yes, it is. As long as they stop turning the damn ball over and as long as you stop shooting yourselves in the foot with penalties at inopportune times. So that, that I hope is fixed in the next 12 days, but more to the point, I hope it's fixed within the next few weeks before the Wisconsin game. What is that? Two weeks? Three weeks from yesterday is the Wisconsin game. That's time. That is plenty of time to figure it out with a nice little game in between. 
So overall, optimistic about that. The game day experience for those that went in, my dad went in for the first half through the third quarter, said no problem getting in. Now, of course, you could attribute some of that to the fact that not many people actually went to the game yesterday. I think the tickets sold was 33,000. The turnstile number, I don't even want to know. I don't know if the university will release that because the shots of the east side, which are always a little more spotty anyways, that was bad. And ESPNU kept showing it. They're like, here are our announcers in the press box and look at behind them. And it's like, no, no, put like a green screen or something behind them. No, it looked pretty bad. Of course, the ones that are in there are the diehards. And I applaud you if you went in. Good good for you. I loved watching it on the big screen TV. When the first quarter went 55 minutes, I thought if I were in that stadium, I would be going nuts right now. I would be just livid. But instead, I was able to be outside, enjoy some carne asada. Mm and some tasty drinks and on a beautiful Saturday. And this actually stood out to me. My dad said that Josh Whitman was on the west side observing this process. I have had a few qualms with Whitman, none of them big. None of them big. They're all small because I think overall you have a good athletic director here. I really do. I like that he's an Illini guy for starters, but I wouldn't like that as much if he weren't good at his job. I think he is pretty good at his job. The facilities speak for themselves, and it looks like the revenue sports have kind of um, figured themselves out, or at least there's more stability with football, and then basketball is just, well, it's, it's back where it should be. But with Josh Whitman... That might be interpreted by some as just for show, but I I genuinely think he cares. I genuinely think that he probably was embarrassed by what happened week zero against Wyoming, and he could have been up entertaining and schmoozing with big donors, and I'm sure he did that later. Not to say he didn't, but the presence, it does matter, and it shows that I heard you, my bad, our bad, and we fixed it. I said after that Wyoming game, if they fix it, no harm, no foul. We move on with life, and it's okay. We all make mistakes, and it sounded like even though they still only had six scanners, the big difference is they said, if you got a bag, you go here, and if not, you go through here, and my dad walked right in. So there you go, problem solved. Now, the Iowa game will present some challenges because you will have more people there. If you're 3-2, and let's say you beat Chattanooga and lose to Wisconsin, you'll still have a much better showing because it is Iowa. If you beat Wisconsin, I think you make it, I mean, a sellout sounds ludicrous after you maybe had 20,000 people in the stadium yesterday. But Iowa gets the juices flowing again. Uh, For a lot of fans that would otherwise stay in the lots, I'm going to go the Iowa game no matter what. I will be in there. Um, But... Again, just something I wanted to mention because from my perspective, I will criticize when I I think it is just to do so. And I don't think things are perfect. And I do think there is still a bit of a factor within that DIA that goes back to the Gunther years. It always makes me a bit uneasy. It's this sort of uh, unchecked kind of localization of power. It's these people that have been around forever and... I always get a little bit leery about stagnation and and not getting new, fresh ideas in there. People that have maybe been around too long, right? I don't know if that makes any sense or not. Uh, You know, Whitman, having been someone that has mentioned Gunther as, if not a mentor, someone very important to him, that was the only real hiccup I had with him. Didn't care about the lack of experience. I thought this guy's got the personality and charisma to be a really good athletic director. I just don't want Ron Gunther Redux. Well, I don't think that's what he is. I think the... The fact that he is present and he's out there and he is able to show contrition when necessary. And he is, listen, we see him at the football and basketball games. He's going to the non-revenue sports things. He is a very active AD. And I also like the fact that presumably he's going to be here for a while. 
And do I trust him? I do. I actually do. And um, there will be other things that happen where I say, oh, God, great, another letter from Josh Whitman. I shouldn't be so damn cynical about that because they are well-written. It's coming from a guy that believes what he says. I don't think it's lawyerese. I really do think he earnestly loves the orange and blue. Um, yes, there will be moments where I I maybe roll my eyes, but on the whole, I got to like what he's done, and I appreciate the fact that he was present yesterday. The fanboy carp moniker, you know, it's a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but I am a fan, and going to the games at State Farm Center Memorial Stadium, uh, you know, and for the diehard fans out there that, that experience the same thing, it matters when the athletic department hears your issues, and then they fix them. So that was a pretty quick turnaround, and kudos to them and the DIA for getting it done. I, I will I will continue to hold them to account. It's like, wow, thanks, fanboy carp, on your soapbox there. I'll, I'll hold them to account when necessary, but I got to give, uh, give them props when it is due. And it was yesterday for what was overall a much, se- much more seamless exper- experience. And that's even with a nationwide digital ticket outage where I thought, oh, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. Terrible timing, but it all worked out. So good for them. And uh, yeah, as an Illini fan, I appreciate that. All right, it's time for some NFL football. Is it quite noon? We're getting close. Five minutes until the Bears kick off against the Niners and what looks to be a rainy start to the football season. I'm excited to just kind of hunker down today, watch football, chill out, play some NCAA football 2007 on my PS2. Thanks to a few people. Chief Oski, I saw you with the lots yesterday, saw a few others that came by and said hi. It's great talking with you guys in person and on what was a feel-good day for Illini Sports. We will be back midweek. I got, let's see, a rehearsal on Wednesday for the great cover-up. My band's playing the great cover-up Saturday night at the Rose Bowl in Urbana, so maybe Thursday we'll get one going ahead of week three of college football, a bye week for Illinois. But we have plenty to talk about, including we'll do a deep dive into the Illinois basketball schedule the full thing is out there including the big 10 and uh some good news and some obstacles that they would have to face in order to win another big 10 title for my money it would be their third in a row but that's neither high nor here nor there and uh whatever else you guys might want to talk about on the twitch thread i appreciate you guys joining us on a sunday morning but it is time for the nfl so let's get you out of here before the bears kick off and i think what packers vikings this afternoon all right, before we get out of here, got to thank our sponsors, DP Doe. I'm on a dpdoe.com for all the best deals and prices, dpdoe.com. They deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. That's dpdoe.com. Rector Construction, online at R-E-C-T-O-R, construction.com for all your home exterior projects, expert craftsmanship, and customer service that is second to none. Get a free quote today at rectorconstruction.com. Dogtown, heating, air, and plumbing. For all your furnace needs as we get into the cooler seasons, 6% off your furnace check if you mention the 200 level when you call Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing. And finally, State Farm Agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com for life, auto, home, business, renters, you name it. Brian is my guy. He can be your guy as well at brianismyguy.com. Alana Inquirer and the Champagne Showers Podcast Network partners with the 200 level. It's time for some NFL football. The Bears might lose by a lot today, but I'm just glad to have it back. In the meantime, stay safe, stay healthy, everybody, and we will talk to you later this week. It is the 200 Level.